would you stand with me? We're looking at the book of Acts chapter 20. And we're going to begin in verse 22 today. Uh, you guys remember we looked at verses 17 to 21 and took two weeks to do this. And today we're going to start with verse 22 and get all the way through verse 24. <laughs> all the way. So those three verses we're going to be looking at today. And of course we stand in honor of God's word as we learn from Ezra the priest in the book of Nehemiah. So Paul, ri- uh, excuse me, Luke writing, Paul speaking, Luke quoting Paul. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. So that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And Lord, as we look at this very powerful passage, a passage that touches my heart today, and I believe everyone here, simply because we, well, yesterday we celebrated a life that this describes. Might we all seek that it might describe each one of us as well. How we follow the example that the Apostle Paul gave. How we learn what it means to do so. And so we pray, God, that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit on this place, that we would know his presence with us, that he would teach us as you've given him to us to do, as our teacher, to lead us into your truth and to give us the wisdom and discernment and the ability and boldness to act on these things. Have your way in our hearts now, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. My daughter Jamie asked me this morning if I was emotionally ready to teach this morning. I said, I think so, but we'll find out. We're finding out right now. (laughs) You know, as we look at this passage today, beginning in verse 22, it, it, uh, well, let let me do this. Let me me read uh, the last part of verse 18 and through the 21st verse, those words that Paul had spoken to this point to these Ephesian elders there in Miletus. He wrote, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, you know, you know the way I lived, you know the way I taught, you know what I spoke. And we we emphasize those things during the last couple weeks as we look at that passage, closing, of course, with these words, this is the, 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 the gist of his message that he gave to them. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're reminded that the Apostle Paul spent three years there in Ephesus. And so it wasn't, it wasn't simply the gospel message that was taught, but the truth of God. He didn't keep anything back from them. All that God had for them, he gave to them. And so that that, that is... As I shared with you uh, last week as we looked at that, that's a model really for every uh, pastor and teacher of God's word to keep back nothing from those 
that are hearing all of God's truth, the hard things as well as the incredible blessings. You know, some people want to just focus on the blessings and forget about the hard things, and it catches people by surprise. You know, people who will say things like, you can have your best life now, for example. No, we can't. Well, I'll, I'll say this. It's not appropriate to say at church. But there certainly are many, many, many people in this world that are going to only have their best life while in this life. Because in a failure to acknowledge Christ, they'll be separated from God forever. That is much worse than they experience while here in this world. So yeah, for them. But for those who've accepted Jesus, our best life isn't now. Our best life is way ahead of us. Where, where my bride is right now. You know, that, 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 that's just the reality. But all those things, he, he speaks. And he, he, he taught them. So he gave them those things. But now he, he continues on. He, he testified there in verses 18 uh, through 21 about his ministry to the church there in Ephesus. And again, I want to remind you that, that these words here, uh, closing this chapter, or, or to the end of the chapter, are an account or a record of, or the only record, I should say, the only record of a message that Paul gave to the church. Now, many times he spoke to the church and it's just alluded to, but the record of what he said is not there. This is the only time. A record of many other uh, uh, sermons that he gave, other teachings that he gave to the Jews, uh, uh, to, the, to the multitudes on the street, uh, to the uh, uh, Roman authorities, uh, but this is the only one actually to the church that we have a record of in the book of Acts. But he says there in verse 22, And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. He, he goes bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, we're reminded that there, was, that there was a time when Jesus himself could say the same thing. And he, he, in essence, he did, but he said it in a different way. Actually, Luke writing in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Luke writes, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Very, very similar thought here. Uh, Paul's face was steadfastly set for Jerusalem as well. But he, but, but he describes it this way, that he's bound in the spirit to do so. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the first part of that verse says, For the love of Christ compels us. The love that Christ has for me compels me. And the love that Christ has placed in my heart for you compels me. That's the idea of that. That's what causes us to do what we do. Moved by that, the love of Christ. Even as the Holy Spirit has shed the love of Christ abroad in our own hearts, that's what Paul is talking about here. He's just compelled by the Spirit of God to go. Now, in all fairness, we have to, as, as we look at this passage, and, and many of you have the New King James Version before you as I do, and, and we see the word Spirit there uh, with a, a lowercase s, meaning that the translators of the New King James Version, which I'm reading, um, don't necessarily believe that this is a reference to the Spirit of God, but Paul's own spirit. And that's fair, because we can't tell. There are no capital letters in the Greek, let in the Greek language, so we can't really know for certain. It, it can be translated in one of two ways, either the Spirit of Paul himself, or the Spirit of God within him. But as we look at this, it's my conviction that it's speaking about the Holy Spirit within him. You know, uh, if it's his own spirit, then what this is saying is that, 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 that Paul's desire to serve the Lord Jesus because of Christ's love for him and his own love for Christ, his inner man, his spirit was bound up, it was tied up, so that he had to get to Jerusalem. Or we could simply say 
that even as the New American Standard Bible translates it, translates it, it says that he was bound by the Spirit. Or the English Standard Version says constrained by the Spirit. Those translations. John Stott wrote this, the same Holy Spirit who warns him in every town, perhaps through prophets, and, and un undoubtedly so, of prison and hardships, in verse 23, nevertheless compels him to keep traveling to Jerusalem, as we see here in verse 22, compelled by the Spirit of God. And I, I think that's the best way to take this. It's God's Spirit in him that compelled him to go because of all that he had experienced and the voice of God's Spirit speaking to, to him even at that particular point in time. So he is, he is bound by the Spirit of God to go to Jerusalem. And as he adds, I don't know what's going to happen to me there, but actually he uses the word except there in verse 23. I don't know what's going to happen except for the fact that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Let's talk about those things for a few minutes. A few minutes here. He, he didn't know what was going to be happening to him. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you guys know what's going to be happening to you the next week? Well, you know a lot. You've got your plans. But there's not a person here who can say definitely that I know that next week I'm going to do such and such. Because we also know there's a very real possibility that our lives could end tonight. Isn't that true? Or something can happen to us that would prevent us from fulfilling our plans. Right? Some kind of sickness, have an accident, you're in the hospital. Have some kind of other physical, physical condition, some sickness. You know, ha have... A, a stroke or a heart attack. I mean, y you know, a, a, an appendicitis attack. You know, uh, whatever it is, you know. I like the latter because that's not quite so serious. But, point being, we don't know. That's the point. We simply do not know. But there's one who absolutely knows all those things. The one whom we serve, right? He knows. James 4.14 says this, for as you do not know what will happen tomorrow, okay, the Holy Spirit is just simply confirming exactly what we're saying, right? You do not know what, what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Earlier in the book, James writes that, you know, uh, we, we make our plans, you know, we're going to go to one city and we're going to do some business in another city and do some business. And that, that's our plan. We say we're going to do that, but, we, but what we should say is, if the Lord wills, we ought to do that. So, and, and, and so we don't know, and, and, and often, even as we make our plans, and, and even as the Lord speaks to our hearts on what He wants for us, and He gives us some direction, even as Paul here is bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, but he's hearing things. And it's not like he's just hearing rumors. The Holy Spirit is testifying through people that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to have some problems. He is going to be in chains and have tribulations. He's going to have some trouble. Now, as we consider that, it's like, is the Lord saying not to go? I think that's something that Paul had to deal with. He didn't know exactly what was going to be, be taking place, but he knew that something was going to take place. There is a question. It's a pretty big question. Two little words, but a big question that really hinders us in being completely obedient to the Lord. Let me ask you if you've ever asked this question. I'll just shorten it into two words. What if? 
I know, but I know what I should do, but what if? What if this happens? You know, wh- what if this problem starts because of this? I, I, I know I need to share the gospel with my, wi- with my friends, with my family, but what if they won't talk to me anymore? What if they think I'm weird? What if they make fun of me? That's just one example. Right? I mean, the what if question, that's a big thing. That's a big thing for us. And, you know, the thing is that, well, we don't know what's going to happen. And we can make our judgments based on history, based on what we've seen happen in the past. Somebody who needs to hear something from the Lord. They've heard it before, but it never has made an impact in their life before. In the sense of, I mean, e- even sharing with a, with a fellow believer, you know, about some behavior, you know, and, and, and they, they, they just never repent of that. They never change. And we've talked to them a number of times. And then we come to a place where it's just not going to do any good. They're never going to listen. And then the Lord speaks to our hearts again. Maybe somebody suggests to us that, you know, maybe you should talk to that person. You know, I'm not going to do that. It doesn't do. It doesn't work. Because what if this time it will? What about what about that? What if question? You know. We don't know. You know, and I've been in that situation before. It's like, I don't know if it's going to do any good or not. But one thing I know is the Lord's directing me to do this, and that's His business on whether it's going to work. Not mine. My business is simply to do what He says, right? Isn't that true? And so, this is where Paul's heart was at. He knew he needed to go to Jerusalem. He also knew that chains and tribulations await him, not knowing the details of that, bound in the Spirit. So we don't know the future. There's a saying. You guys have heard this, most of you, I believe. We may not know the future, but we know the one who holds the future in his hands, right? And if we know him well, we can feel safe about that, can't we? So he's got it in in his hands, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to have trouble. It doesn't mean, in in Paul's case here, it doesn't mean that the chains and and the tribulations that await him are not going to happen. In fact, God is basically telling him that's what's going to happen. But Paul did not receive it in such a way that it meant that God was saying, don't go. He's just saying, he's just telling him, informing him, when you do go, this is what's going to happen. That's all. And so many times we kind of read between the the lines, and and Paul could very well have taken that in such a way that God was saying, don't go, when actually he was hearing those things. And it's true, we do not know the future but the one who does know holds our future in his hands. It makes me think of my bride's very favorite verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. As God proclaims through the prophet Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. It's a powerful, powerful verse. And as I said yesterday at, at the memorial service, when this truth became cemented into her own heart, it gave her such a confidence in him. It freed her. It gave her hope. Um, it freed her from the worry that somehow because of her own misbehavior, her own struggles. And, and, and this, this was at a time in her life when she was struggling with, with the kids, you know, and, and a young mom, three kids. One thing that was shared yesterday, by the time she was 22, she had three kids, you know, and not mature in her walk with the Lord, but having three kids already, you know, and it's like you mamas know how kids can be. One's a handful. Two's a double handful. 
and three, my goodness. But she lost it at times. And she felt horrible about that. You know, and she's just kind of waiting for the hammer to fall. That, that's the attitude, you know, feeling the guilt and all that. She, she came freed of all that with the understanding that, you know, the one who loves you and the one who is sovereign and the one who has your best interest in mind, he knows exactly what's going to happen. God tells you, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. You might think you know my thoughts, but you don't. I know my thoughts. You don't. I, I, I can see God saying it that way. You don't know my thoughts. You go to Isaiah chapter 55, and this is just coming. You're not going to see it on the screen, but you know the verse. Chapters 8 and 9, when it, when it speaks of the fact that, that uh, God's thoughts and his ways are higher than ours, even as high as the heavens above the earth. So my thoughts and my ways are higher than yours, right? So it's, it's past knowing in many ways until he reveals it to us. So we understand his sovereignty, his goodness, his kindness, his purposes. We can trust him. And so we don't know. So we say, okay, Lord, I trust you. You know, and... You know, and I've shared with you guys that I, I, I've, I've been in that place in, at many times in the last couple of years, you know, and watching, watching my wife and watching what was going on with her and watching this disease progress and, 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 and asking the question why and then backing off and saying, you're, you're God, I'm not. You know things I don't. You know, uh, you're wise, I'm not. This is what I want to see take place, but your will take, Lord, not my will, your will be done. And and just trying to maintain that attitude that Jesus had while he was in the garden. You know, your will be done, not my own. And somehow, somehow, this is better. When we look at the overall scheme of things, somehow this is better than what I wanted to happen. I, w I, wanted, I wanted the Lord to heal her. He chose not to. Because of who he is, I know somehow this is better. I don't feel it yet. I don't see it yet. But someday I will. Someday I will. I know that this is better. So, so, so this one who does know the future, and we have such, we have such an insistence at times, you know, that, that we just simply want to know. Yeah, but what's going to happen if I do that? You know, th that's God's business, not mine, not yours. That's God's business. And all the things that we know about that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. It really is. It's going to be okay. You know, I was sharing that with somebody yesterday, just the idea that, you know, I'm so thankful that God gave me a, a good foundation, a good grounding in his truth. Because I, 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 I get it. I get why there's sickness and death in this world. I get why the world is the way that it is. It, 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 it's because of sin, the evil and the wickedness that we see around us. I get it. I understand the reality of, of, of heaven and hell, life and death, goodness and evil, spiritual warfare and so much, and, and things of that nature. I get I, I we, we see it around us, and the Word of God gives us this biblical worldview that causes us to kind of sit back and say, okay, I get it. Not that I like it, but I get it. Right now it's hard, but because of Jesus, our future is wonderful. And so we cling to that, right? And so I, that, that's what I was sharing. I said, I'll be okay. I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Our, our, my family is going to be okay. This church is going to be okay. You know, and it's not going to be all that long I know before I'm there with the Lord standing next to my bride worshiping him forever and serving him in whatever way he may have for us. I understand that. But the Holy Spirit spoke. Later on we see in Acts 21 we see a very real instance of this. Here it is mentioned that, that the Holy Spirit was testifying in verse 23 but in chapter 21, verses 10 and 11, we see these verses. As Paul and, 
and his team was in Caesarea uh, on, on the seashore there of the Mediterranean in the house of Philip the Evangelist. Acts 21, 10 and 11. And as we stayed many days, Luke records his writing, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And then Luke writes about, he said, Then we began to try to persuade him not to go. And then the following verse, verse 13, Paul answered them and says, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He's saying, God's directed me to go, and you're telling me not to go. Why are you doing this? I don't care if I'm bound. I'm ready to die if need be for the name of the Lord Jesus. What commitment? What commitment? What determination? What desire to bring honor to the Lord, to live an obedient life to him, regardless of what's going to happen, regardless of, of the difficulties that it might bring. Bound to go to Jerusalem. And it's interesting that Paul was bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem for he would be bound by the Jewish leaders and turned over to the Roman authorities, which is exactly what we see happening later in chapter 21. Paul did not see the warning about what was happening as God saying, don't go. He received it for what it was an advance warning of what's going to happen. But he did seek prayer. We find in Romans chapter 15, verses 30 to 32, these words as he writes to the Roman church. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Remember, we've been talking already about how Paul desired to go to Rome. So he asked for prayer from the church in Rome for him in regard to this situation. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen, except he did know that, that chains and trials, tribulations awaited him. And he said in verse 24, but none of these things move me. I don't know about you guys, this is one of my very favorite verses in the Bible. None of these things move me. Because it's a place where I want to be. I think it's a place where you guys want to be too. Where none of these things move me. The troubles in life, the difficulties of life, don't move me from a resolute purpose in our heart to simply obey God and do what he's called us to do. This is what Paul had, had, had determined. He had made this decision. I know what God wants of me, and that's what's going to happen. That, that's what I'm going to do. And if I die, I die. He had already written to the Philippians that he was caught between the two. He wanted to be home with the Lord, which would be better for himself. But at the same time, you know, um, staying here in this world is better for you because then I get the joy to be used by God in your life to bring blessing. And I'm caught between the two. But he was very satisfied to leave it as God's call. He was going to serve as long as he's alive, as long as he's still here. But at that moment, then he's going to be with the Lord, and that's better for him. And, and, and that's how we all feel, right? It, it's, it's great to be used by God in the lives of other people. But on a personal level, it's much better to be with the Lord in his presence. 
not like we don't know his presence now we do but not to the same degree that it will be someday now we see through it through a, a glass dimly but then it will be face to face right and so the reality of that Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. And Paul could sing that song from his heart. And so the fact of persecution didn't deter him from doing what he knew that God had for him. So it teaches us that, that it's what God tells us that should be the deciding factor, not the difficulties that lie ahead being the determining factor. Gosh, it might be dangerous. I shouldn't do that. If God says go, go. And, and you know what? I mean, let's face it. There are, there are, over the course of the last couple thousand years, millions of people who have lost their lives because of faith in Jesus. Millions. Martyrs for Christ, right? Millions. But my goodness, we know that when, when, we, when our physical life ends here, we're going to be in his presence. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? And we all have loved ones who have gone before us. It's very fresh for me and, 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 and our family, Obviously, for obvious reasons, right? But that we, we've seen that. And, and we know it to be true, not just simply because that's what we want to believe. That's what the Word of God says. That's what God tells us. And so it's like, you know what? If, if, if you don't recant your faith, you'll be burned at the stake. Well, kill me now. I'm going to be better for it. Go for it. You know, I mean, that, that's the heart. We're going to be talking about that in just a moment. But you know, as Paul was bound in the spirit, he says, none of these things move me. Another question that I think each, of each one of us need to ask for ourselves is, what moves me? What moves you? What can we be moved by? It could be a number of things, uh, maybe as many different things as we have people in this room, you know. It could be a number of things. Is it money? Stuff? Possessions? Relationships with people? Or maybe one particular relationship? Popularity? Peer pressure? The need to fit in? Fear of man rather than fear of God? It can be a lot of things. That's just a small sample of it. But, but when it comes to being the person that God wants us to be, are we hindered through something that we have allowed to become more important than God's truth? Right? It can be different for all of us. I'm... Um, Vince didn't know this, but he already read a verse that I'm about to quote. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Vince is going right on. He says, praise the Lord, I was listening to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Again, that verse says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Those of you who were with us at the uh, memorial service yesterday, we, we had, a, had the blessing of seeing my honey in a, about a four-minute clip at the end of it. Just a wonderful exhortation. That was her gift, exhortation. God had given her that gift. And, and we felt the Lord leading us to play that so that that gift could be used yesterday. 
And in essence, this is what she was saying, and those of us who watched her saw that this is what she did. She put her hand to the plow, and she pressed. She pressed forward for the Lord. She pressed toward that goal, understanding her call. So she pressed. Might we all press in that way, move forward, you know, with, with, with diligence, not having as, oh, whatever happens, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of go with the flow. No, press toward the goal that Jesus has for us to bring honor and glory to him as he molds us into his own image and uses us to love people around us in the same way that he has loved us and use the gifts that he's given to us to be a blessing to other people. You know, that, that, that's what God has called us to do. So there are things that might move us from doing what God's called us to do that, that keep us from pressing toward that goal, things that we already mentioned as possibilities, but there's so many more. But I think right here is a, a very, very important tool. Nor do I count my life as dear to myself. You know, every one of us are born with a sin nature. And in that sin nature, we tend to be incredibly selfish. That's why none of us ever had to teach our children the words, mine. <laughs> right? That's just one little example. I remember when our first grandchild, Josiah, was born. Um, my wife and I went to the hospital to, to see him and stuff. We were holding him for the very first time. And I've got him in my arms like this. And my honey's just got her head basically on my shoulder. And we're both just grinning so broadly, you know, so proud and so pleased at this gift that God has given to us. And I, I said to her, honey, isn't it amazing to think this sweet, precious little guy has a heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. <laughs> she hit me. <laughs> Don't say that. Oh, it's true. That's what God says. The heart of man is that way. And, and just, I have to tell you that um, I've shared with the church that there have been times that she proved me to be right. <laughs> so. As every one of us have, right? We, we've all proven that truth to be, uh, to be right. You know, and, um, but yeah, that's what, that's what we are. But that selfishness, though, I is driven by that kind of a thing. And so, you know, it keeps us, you know, and the selfishness, we have a, th this self-love. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to do what we want to do. We want to go where we want to go. And, 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 and all those kinds of things, you know, to, to please ourselves. And, and so many times, pleasing ourselves does interrupt a life that is called to please God. That's just the way that it is. And Paul said his own life was not dear to him. We have others who've said the same kind of thing in the scriptures. Mat Matthew 26, verses 34 and 35, we see this. Jesus saying to Peter, Assuredly, I say to you this night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And then Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples, but we know what happened. He did deny him. In John eleven sixteen, Thomas, who's also called the twin, or Thomas Didymus, or we know him as Doubting Thomas, don't we? He said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This is toward the end of his ministry when the Jewish leaders just wanted to do nothing but just simply get rid of Jesus. They had tried already. And basically it was Thomas just saying, okay, he wants to go, we'll go with him. 
We'll defend him. We'll die with him if we have to. That's basically what he was saying. And in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, we see this truth. Paul writing, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? That's a truth for those of us who have given our hearts to Christ. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. And going on, he says, For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If I've given my heart to Jesus, that means my heart belongs to him, and I don't have the right to control it, because it's his. Right? Does that make sense? This is why he listened to him, the one who has bought me. He has me. I'm his. I belong to him. Paul also writes to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse beginning of verse 21, for to, for, to me, to li- for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, but I live on in the flesh. This will mean fruit for my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. I've already alluded to this, for I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. But he began that by saying to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a powerful truth that is. About 540 some years ago, actually actually it's been uh, a little little over 500 years ago, a believer by the name of William Tyndale, you guys know his name, he was a Bible translator. Uh, persecuted for wanting to get the Bible into the hands of the people. Those who controlled the, the, the distribution of bi- Bibles at that time wanted only a s- select few to have the Bible, uh, the elite, so that they could translate it for the people. And it seems that the reason for that is so that they could actually control the people. Tyndale wanted to get it in everybody's hands where everybody could know the truth and respond to God on their own. Well, speaking of the clergy, he said this, If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow to know more of the scripture than thou dost. Anybody can know the scriptures better than the clergy but they studied it. As he was brought forth to the place of execution, he was tied to the stake, strangled by the hangman, afterwards consumed with fire. This was in 1536, crying at the stake with a fervent zeal and a loud voice, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. John Huss, who died in the year 1415, over 700 years ago, or over 600 years ago. He was a follower of, uh, well, he, John Wycliffe was a follower of him. He actually taught against the Roman Catholic Church. He was condemned as a heretic for, chas- for teaching heresy. All he did was speak against the church for what they were doing. But given a chance to, uh, to save his life by recanting, he declined with these words, God is my witness that I have never taught that of which I've been accused by false witnesses. In the truth of the gospel which I've written, taught and preached, I will die today with gladness. Do we have that kind of love and, 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 and honor and commitment to the truth of God's word? That's a question for us to ask. And Paul continued on, that I may finish my race with joy. See, this is what he wanted to do. And note the way it's worded. uh, I'm not moved by these things. I don't count my life to be dear to myself 
so that, no, 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 you can't miss this, so that I may finish my race with joy. I want to finish my race. I want to finish my race joyfully. Therefore, I don't count my life as worthy, uh, as dear to myself. I don't do that. And I'm not going to be moved by anything other than what God has given me in terms of my life, my ministry. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus speaks of the fact that the Lord gave him this ministry to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. My honey wanted to finish her race well. She did. I want to finish my race as well also. I pray that you do as well. I, I, I believe most of you in this room want to do so. But there will be prices to pay. I don't know what they might be. You know, and, 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 and Paul had a particular race, or he had a particular course of life that God had given to him. But we all have our own. It's different from Paul's. And, and with a number of different people in this room, we all have a different course or a different race. Different for all of us. But I'll tell you one thing that's certain. It, it is going to be centered in the area of the people that God has placed in your life. That's where we run the race. And those are the lives that we can have impact on. And Paul had that impact on the lives of the people around him. He said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now those are words that all of us should strive to be able to say when we're on our deathbed. I have fought the good fight. Finished the race. Kept the faith. My bride finished her course. She finished her race. Did it well. It's marked by the fact that there's not a person who knew her that did not know that she loved them. Not a person. She loved us in the same way that Jesus loved her, in the way that she knew that Jesus loved her, you know? That she, she loved very, very well. She loved well. She loved hard. That's why she became the person that she became. She was determined to be the person that God had made her to be. And I think it's a challenge for e all of us, you know. I, 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 I think yesterday's ministry at that memorial service, it was not just simply a memorial service, it was a ministry that took place. Many people were encouraged, inspired. And you know what? We need to look at people's lives who are living their life well for Jesus Christ and be inspired by it. We need to do that and allow it to be something that speaks to our hearts in giving us a model for the way that we ought to live our own lives. As the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I want to be able to say that but I know that my precious bride was able to say that. But you know what? I never heard her say it. She just did it. She just was that. You know? What a model. Or what a model Paul gives to us. And what especially a model Jesus gives. Who gave his life for you and for me. And so we have this world that we live in. We have this ministry that God's given to us. We have our own sphere of influence. We, 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 we have this course, this race that God's given to us. Are we following it? Are we faithful to abide in that place? Are we loving the way that Jesus has loved us? Have we put our hand to the plow and are we pressing forward for that for which God has laid his hand on us.
to be a blessing to other people. You know, and just this idea of the, that phrase, be a blessing, something that my wife always spoke to our kids. You know, once they hit their teenage years and they were out the door to go someplace, you guys heard it yesterday, they always heard, be a blessing, be a blessing. You know, giving the idea that, you know, you're not out there just simply to have fun. I'm not saying don't have fun, but focus on blessing other people around you. Be used by God to be a blessing to other people around you. I pray that all of us will have that in our hearts and minds to bless others, even as God has gifted us to do so. As we're involved with one another's lives, that's what's going to happen. My wife is an incredible example. But this isn't about her, though. Yesterday more so, but really it's about bringing glory to God for what he's doing in our lives. I pray that all of us have that desire as my bride did. Father, I I pray your, your hand upon us, that, Lord, you would do your work in us and through us. Lord, in the same way we see you working through the Apostle Paul, the way you worked in my bride's life and just the incredible life that she lived for you, the way that she loved us so so hard, so well. You are the reason she was the person who lived that life the way that she did. You are the reason. You're the one to be celebrated more than anyone else. You are so good. Thank you for the gift that she's been to us. We thank you for your word, which is a gift to us. We thank you for these words of the Apostle Paul who wrote, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear unto myself. Lord, might we all be in that place to follow after you, to determine to press toward the mark and the upward call of Christ Jesus in our lives. Oh, might we press forward. Might we be used by you in the lives of others around us to bring blessing to them, to those who know you, to get closer, to those who don't, to come to know you. And so, Lord, have your way. Do your work, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together, guys. Giovanna's going to lead us in uh, one last song. Giovanna, thank you for being here to lead us in worship. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day. And and by the way, I want to share with you guys this. Um, I'm going to be taking a few weeks off after today just to get some time. I'm going to be taking the next three weeks off, and so we're going to have some guest speakers coming I am going to be going to Spain during that time. Um, I'm going to be staying with uh, uh, Pastor Yvonne and Aaron Ife for about 10 days or so, toward the last last part of that, that, that three-week period. And I'll be back on the week of the 14th. I'll be back here in the pulpit on Wednesday the 16th, and we'll be mo- moving forward from there. Appreciate your prayers. But I just want to get some time, and I want to see what the Lord does in me and with me. And, you know... Um, as I've shared with, with others around me, I, I want to give the Lord an opportunity or give, put myself in a place where he being with me, I, I, can, I can mourn the way I'm supposed to mourn. Whatever that means, we all mourn differently, but I, I think that's going to be a great place to do it, you know, and uh, just to be by myself for some time and do that. So appreciate your prayers. And I just thank you guys for the prayers that you've given over the last couple of years in regard to, to this journey that we've had, you know, and, and my bride's with the Lord now, and we have a new chapter ahead of us. Looking forward to what that's going to be. But I have to tell you, I can't wait to see my honey again. Can't wait. God bless you guys. We'll see you in a few weeks. I love you guys.
This was in, um, boy, I'm blanking it. You sent that to me? Father, and we speak to you 